Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Well, good morning, everybody. We are going to begin. And uh, if, you, uh, if you're joining us for the first time, just a, just a quick recap. We have been uh, discussing this quarter in the auditorium class, uh, developing and applying a biblical worldview. And we have been working several, several weeks on building that worldview and how, how a biblical worldview should be uh, established based on the scriptures and then um, applying uh, several different uh, principles, several different topics, um, and passing them through the filter of the, uh, of the scriptures. Um, Lewis Benavides asked me just a few minutes ago if, uh, if I was going to cause controversy again this morning um, and present statistics that made him furrow his brow again and if you if you notice the title that was just up on the uh, uh, up on the up on the screen, my response to him was, "You have no idea." <laughs> um, but I, I, the before we get before we get into this topic on God and gender, um, I, I I want us to have I want us to have an honest conversation. Uh, I don't want us to shy away from this topic because I think if we do that, we are doing our children an incredible disservice um, because it is everywhere and it is inescapable and we need to be prepared to have a logical, reasoned conversation on this. So if, uh, if, we'll, look at that, if we'll look at that first slide... Uh, after after this one, I think I have a, a chart, and I hope I hope that it's big enough to see. Um, if it's not, I apologize. But if you can, I, I, I will explain the text to you. If you cannot see it, at least you can see the bar graph, uh, and I will uh, I will I will give you some some background on what that bar graph represents. So um, currently, and this was as of as of 2022 when we say currently. 7.2% of U.S. adults identify as LGBT. Okay? So each color, each color on the bar graph represents a different generation. Okay? So the, um, the, the purple that you see, like if you'll look at 2014, it's 2014, 2017, 2020, and 2022 along the bottom. Those are the year designations. Like I said, if it's not quite large enough to, to be able to read... Um, the purple, the purple represents the traditionalists. That would be our oldest generation, born before 1946. Uh, the blue would be considered the baby boomers, uh, born between 1946 and 1964. The lime green is Generation X, born between 1965 and 1980. Millennials, born between 1981 and 1996. And then finally, Gen Z. 
born between 1997 and 2004. And you know, uh, with, with anything, some of these some of these years are are very are very subjective. Some people may some people may put this generation beginning here. Others people may put this generation beginning here. Okay, and and we all understand that. But what you're looking at, what you're looking at is a share of the population by generation that identifies as a member of the LGBT community. So a share of American adults who identify as LGBT by birth year. So what I want you to notice is traditionalists, baby boomers, Generation X, okay, from 2014 through 2022 have stayed fairly consistent as far as the percentage of those generations that identify as LGBT. You can look at um, an increasing percentage of millennials um, ranging you know, from, from 2014 to 2022, uh, ranging, ranging, you know, ranging just over 5% in 2014 to 11.2% there in 2022. But obviously look at Gen Z specifically, those that were born uh, 1997 and, and after, okay, just over 15% in 2022, and then almost 20% in, uh, I'm sorry, to, just over 15% in 2020, and just over, um, just over, or just almost 20% in 2022. Um, I want to, uh, I, I want to read to you, uh, and, I, and I put this up there, and, and you know, similar to Glenn said this morning, I don't like to read a lot, but I think, it, I think this gives us some context of why it's important for us to have this uh, conversation. This is from an article by Time Magazine. If we'll go to the next one. Yeah, here we go. Uh, the, the title of the article, How Gen Z Changed Its Views on Gender. The Household Pulse Survey confirms this. Among young adults born in the 2000s, identifying as transgender jumped 48% between late 2021 and late 2022, and identifying as non-binary leapt 60% in one year. By late 2022, with more than 3% identifying as transgender and nearly 5% identifying as non-binary, 8% of 18 to 22-year-olds, one in 13, were either transgender or non-binary. And just to give you just to give you an idea. Let's go to the next. Let's go to the next slide. And when we when we talk about the the environment that our young people are in for Gen Z, those born 1995 to 2012. So again, for example, you know this you know this article puts Gen Z a little bit a, a little bit wider of a range. The the chart had it uh, stopping in 2004. This one takes it all the way to 2012. The whole concept of gender is more fluid. Not only can people be transgender identifying with a gender different from their sex assigned at birth, but they can identify as neither male nor female, often called non-binary, sometimes shortened to NB, the phonetic of NB. There's also gender fluid, gender queer, demiboy, demigirl, and many other terms describing self-definitions self of gender. Gen Z speaks a whole language of gender often barely understood by their Gen X and even millennial parents, or by most people just a few short years ago. There's cisgender, or cis, someone whose gender identity is congruent with their sex assigned at birth, who's not transgender. There's AMAB, assigned male at birth, and AFAB, assigned female at birth, terms meant to express that sex is assigned by others. There's also agender, someone who doesn't identify with having a gender at all. 
This rainbow identi of identities is why Gen Z thinks it is important to state your pronouns. For example, she, her, he, him, they, them, as it may not be obvious which set someone prefers. And if everyone states their pronouns, that makes it, quote, easier for non-cis people or friends to, to then say their pronouns without having to be the first to say it. A young woman told the authors of Gen Z Explained. Now, when you see all that, and I want to caution you against the, the initial reaction of, well, that's just, that's just nonsense. Yes, don't get me wrong. But we cannot dismiss this as something not serious enough to take scripturally head on. Okay? Personally, when I walk around the halls of school, I see so many kids that are absolutely lost. And I, that, is not a, that is not a scriptural judgment of whether they have been baptized for the remission of sins, right? Okay. I just mean that they have no idea who they are. And they are doing anything and everything they can to find acceptance from whatever group will let them in and be a part. That's what I mean. That's what I mean by lost. And we have to, it's, it, it, it ha, our response has to be more than, well, that's just silly. Well, that's just, that's just gobbledygook, right? And don't get me wrong, all of this, uh, you know, the, the, the language and the pronouns, and, and that, doesn't even, that doesn't even include the, the zizim and the zizur and all, all this other stuff that people, uh, to us, tend to, tend to, it feels like it, they make it up on a whim, right? We need to have a serious conversation. We need to have serious answers, okay, for questions and issues when they come at us. And again, what we have talked about, and I've said it at least once every class, is that every spiritual question has to be met with a scriptural answer. Otherwise, we have no, we have no ground to stand on. It's just our opinion. And then we're just making it up as much as anybody else is making it up. Right? So the reason this is so important is this is the tip of the spear of the cultural war if you want to call it that, that we're in, okay? Like I said, it's, it's inescapable, it's unavoidable, and we, we have to have, we have to be ready to give a defense, right, in all things, okay? But especially, especially something that is so prevalent, okay? So, let's define the premise. I think, do, do, I, do I have this up there? Uh, yeah. All right, so the premise of what we're going to be talking about this morning and, and, and filtering this through the scriptures is this. Transgenderism is predicated on the belief that a person's non-physical identity and the physical manifestation of their biological sex do not align. Okay? So to put it in spiritual terms, in spiritual terms, the soul's gender, the soul being the non-physical who we are, the soul's gender and the body's biology are in conflict. Right? So that is our premise. Right? That, is, that, that is what, you know, if we are going to, in other words, if someone asks us, well, why aren't, you, why, why, why aren't you accepting of someone that identifies as transgender or non-binary or really, you know, like any, anything under that, under that category? Well, for me to accept that, I have to accept this premise, 
Okay? And in addition to accept this premise, one has to accept that the creator of both the soul and the body, either one, made a mistake when joining body and soul, or two, deliberately created a conflict when joining them together. Right? So, in other words, again, for me to, for me to accept and affirm someone and say that you're okay, and, and, and especially, you know, connecting with, with you know, with, with the, the, the teaching of, of the doctrine, like Glenn talked about this morning, is for us, for us to set script, for me to set what the Bible says aside and be accepting and affirming and approving is that I have to, I have to, I, that also means I have to accept one of those two statements. That either God made a mistake or he purposely created confusion, right? So that's why it's so important that when we talk about our expression of faith and our practice of our faith, and when we, when we come against that and we say, well, I can't, I can't go there with you. Okay? I, can't, I, can't, I can't support that. I can't affirm that. I can't accept that. We need to have an answer. Well, well why? Why are, you so, why are you so intolerant, right? All of these things. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna dive into this, and uh, and hopefully give us some some things to uh, uh, to have in our toolbox to respond as we as we filter this idea uh, through the through the scripture. So turn over to Genesis chapter one. Um, I don't have a lot of. I think that might be the last slide that I have. So I don't have a lot of. I don't have a lot of slides this morning. So I'm going to ask you to turn and flip. Um, and of course, you know, if, if at any time, not just not just with this lesson. Um, or this discussion, um, if at any time anyone would like uh, the notes or to you know um, to have you know further conversation, whatever, uh, just just let me know and I'll be glad to I'll be glad to provide whatever whatever I have. Beginning in Genesis one verse twenty seven, so God created man in His own image, in the image of God He created them, male and female He created them. Okay, so remember, okay, God is the Creator, right? He created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created male and female. He created them. Right after that, right after that, what does it say that he created, after creating them, that he told them to do? In verse 28, he says, God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Okay, that was their charge. That was their instruction, if you will. Okay, male and female designed purposely to be able to, to come together, to procreate, to continue, right? And again, we, 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 and that's not to say that that was the sole purpose, right? But that is what they were able to do, and that is what God instructed them to do. For every command that God gives to man, he also equips him to fulfill that command, does he not? What kind of God would we serve if he instructed us and charged us with doing something, yet left us actually incapable of doing it, right? So think about all the times that, think about all the time, you know, something like that, you know, especially like Exodus 4. Moses is there at the burning bush, if you want to turn over, Exodus 4, beginning in verse 10, okay, and Moses is coming up with all kinds of excuses <laughs> to get out of it, right? He's like, you know, paraphrasing, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not the guy, I'm not the guy, Lord, I'm not the guy. Exodus 4, beginning in verse 10, and Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, verse 11, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord, 
Now therefore go and I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall say. God equips us to do what he has instructed us to do. Right? God created them male and female and he said go be fruitful and multiply. And he created male and female to be able to do that for uh, that reason among others. Hebrews 13 and verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Again, God equips man to do what he charges him to do. Back in Genesis, if you're still in Genesis with me, turn over to chapter 2. Okay? Chapter 2 and verse 20, but for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. Okay? So we know that God made woman to be a helpmeet, and we kind of smush those words together, right? But God, uh, God made Eve for Adam to be a help, helper, meet, suitable, right? A helpmeet for him. God specifically made a woman. God didn't make, God didn't give Adam multiple options from which to choose from. Okay? Because God knows that man needed woman. Right? So, and he brought her to the man. Again, God designed woman for man and gave her to the man, specifically and uniquely designed to complement one another. Okay? And again, this is all about this is all about why we cannot accept either of those two statements about either God made a mistake when joining body and soul or that he purposely created conflict and confusion when joining body and soul. Okay? God is the creator. God made them male and female. Now, still in Genesis 2, go up to verse 7. Okay? God gave them life. Right? He, he not only created their physical bodies, but he gave them their souls. John, uh, sorry, Genesis 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Okay. Psalm 139, verse 16 says, you, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Okay. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 38. Again, again, God is the creator, right? It is his unique right and privilege as creator, okay? creating the body and creating the soul. Jeremiah chapter 38, verse 16 says, so Zedekiah the king swore secretly to Jeremiah, saying, As the Lord lives, who made our very souls, I will not put you to death, nor will I give you into the hand of these men who seek your life. So again, we are establishing God's authority and God's right as creator. Okay? He is the creator of the body, and he is the creator of the soul. And as such, he is the joiner of the two. It's really, really important because our, again... Our premise, our premise that will not allow us to confirm or affirm, I should say, to not allow, that prevents us from, from affirming this transgender premise is because of who God is and our obedience to him and the truth of his word, right? So, again, back to number one, okay, of the two, of the two statements. Uh, Rafe, or somebody, can we, get that, can we get that slide back up there? Uh, I just want to see if we can if we can if we can go back. If not, if not, it's not that big of a deal. But remember, number one was God made a mistake, right? God made a mistake when joining body and soul. So the question we well is that possible? Does God make mistakes? 
Well, Genesis 1.31, then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Right? right? Would he have blessed it and called it very good? Okay, a, few, uh, a few more slides, a few more slides over. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Boom, right there. Thank you so much. We'll just, we'll just, leave, that. We'll just leave that up there so we can re- refer back to it. Okay? So God created male and female and called it very good. Right? Would he have blessed them? If it was a mistake, Genesis 1, 28, then God blessed them and God said unto them, what we just read earlier, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. He blessed it and called it everything, including his creation of male and female, which included creating the body and creating the soul and joining them together. He called it very good, right? And, you know, Question, you know, arguments, you know, responses come up to that. Well, well, if it was very good, then why did he have to flood the entire earth? Was it, didn't he consider, didn't he consider making man a mistake at that point? Well, that's not what the Bible says, all right? What, do, what does the Bible say in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 6? Genesis chapter 6 and verse 6 says, And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. But Why? Why was he grieved? Well, the answer is there again in verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. He did not make a mistake in creating man. His heart was grieved to the point of destroying his creation because of its wickedness. Every intent and every thought of man. Okay? And sometimes, sometimes we might feel like we're pretty close to that right now. But honestly, I don't, I, don't, I don't think we are. I don't think we are. As bad as, as, bad as things get sometimes with things that we see around us, I, don't think it, I, I still don't think it can compare to, uh, to Genesis 6 and verse 5, about every, every intent and every thought. Okay? And we know, we know from Scripture, again, because we have built a biblical worldview, and we know that Scripture can bear the weight of that biblical worldview, just like God is the only thing that can bear the weight of our worship and never disappoint, right? We know that our worldview, that Scripture can handle our worldview and Scripture can answer those questions, okay? Let's look at Psalm 18 and verse 30. As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in Him. Isaiah 55 and verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Romans eleven thirty three. 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. So for me to affirm, for me to affirm and approve and accept the idea of transgenderism. We're not talking about people yet. We're going to talk about people very, 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 very soon. I hope, because okay, I know time is chasing us. But we're talking about the idea, the principle, this ideology of transgender. For me to affirm that means at least I have to believe that God made a mistake when joining the body and the soul. Okay? Or, like we said with the number two, God deliberately created a conflict between the two when joining them together. So is this, if God doesn't make mistakes, then is this something he, he would have or could have done on purpose? Right? Well, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33 clearly says, For God is not the author of confusion, 
but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. This idea, this conflict, this confusion, okay, would that come from God? Would God deliberately create conflict and confusion? And let's be clear, we all have, we all have sinful uh, temptations, okay? We all have sinful, we all have sinful desires, right? But, again, well, did God give us those sinful desires? Well, what, is, what does the Bible say? Okay, let's go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Okay, when this, this idea comes, well, well this, is how, this is how God made me, right? James chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. So right off the bat, right off the bat, the Holy Spirit is calling the person that endures temptation blessed. Not that gives in to it. Well, this is how God made me. What can I do? No, 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 no. Okay? We all have sinful desires, and those that endure that temptation are the ones that are blessed. Right? Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. That's about half a second from saying, well, God made me this way. What, am I, what do you expect me to do? Right? Let no one say when I am tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Okay? Why? You think, think about it, and we could, we could spend the rest of the class on this, but we don't have time, so it's somewhat of a rhetorical question, but why are we like the way we are? Why did, why did God allow us to have, you know, the capacity for sin or the capacity for it to be, to be tempted and all of these things, right? Well, again, the mind could go lots of different places and we could spend a lot, a lot of time talking about that. But blessed is the one that endures temptation, right? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We have to, we have to understand what God's desire for us is. Right? And we've talked about this in a previous class. God's desire is for us to come to a knowledge of the truth, to realize who he is, to realize who his son is, to realize where that puts us, the barrier that sin has created, our own sin, the barrier that sin creates between us and him, and that Jesus is the only way to remove that barrier. God's desire for us is to come to a knowledge of that truth so that we can be in heaven with him. But the Bible is also very clear that there are lifestyles, plural, that we, can li- that we can live and continue to live in that will keep us out of heaven. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, there's a long list in there, and we like to go to the ones that don't include us. We like to go to the, we like to go to the big ones. We like to go and talk about, well, you know, 1 Corinthians 6 says, you know, uh, someone that, that is living in homosexuality cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That's not the only sin that's listed. Okay? We talked last week, I think it was last week, about being blameless. Okay? And the idea of continuing in sin or being comfortable in sin. There are lots of sinful lifestyles. Okay? Well, any sinful lifestyle. Any sinful lifestyle will keep us out of heaven if we remain in it. Okay? But notice verse 11. 
And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So all of these sins, not just those that are sexual in nature, will prevent us from entering heaven if we remain in them. But it also shows that we can be washed of all of them. Okay? That we, it, is, it is possible to turn to God from any lifestyle. 1 Peter 4.2, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same, with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Okay? So this idea that, well, well God made me this way. What, 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 do you, what do you expect me to do? Well, we all, have, we all have sinful desires that we have to keep in check and that we have to control and that we have to turn away from in order to be found faithful. Okay. James 3.16, if you'll turn there with me. Okay. Again, as we, as we look through and, and, and really parse through this, this, second, uh, this second facet of the premise, whether or not God deliberately created confusion, James 3.16 is very, very important. James 3.16 says, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Okay? If I, don't, if I don't know that I am a child of God and that I don't live as such, if I, if I divorce myself, if I separate myself from that, and again, I'm, all that's left is I'm either going to serve God or I'm going to serve myself. Okay? There, is no, there is no in-between. And when self-seeking, what does the verse say? Okay? For where envy and self-seeking exists, Confusion and every evil thing are there. Confusion comes when I don't know who I am. Right? And again, we see, and, and you know, the, the chart that I, that I put up there, we could, you know, we could talk about the socio-political aspect of social contagion, you know, and all of this stuff, and, and, and whether the rise in, in younger generations, um, you know, is, um, is socially motivated or peer pressure or, or whatever. And, and that's, you know, that, that's not necessarily our conversation this morning. However, when I don't know who I am, of course I'm going to be confused about who I am, okay? What our young people, what we need, what we need is to keep our feet firmly planted in the Word. That's how we know who we are. Glenn. By the way, for those listening at home, Glenn said I was right about that, so please go ahead. <laughs> It is not, it, it is an impossibility. What it is, is a rejection. Yeah, it, it, is, a, it, is, a re, it is a rejection of God's design, both of, both of physical design and spiritual design. Again, joining, you know, joining this, you know, our, our non-physical identity, to use the common vernacular, at least in this context, with, 
you know, our, our, physical, our physical attributes, okay? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Great point. Great point. So, um, very quickly, because I don't, I, I want to make sure, I want to make sure we get to this. So, how should the Christian respond to someone that identifies as someone on the LGBTQ spectrum? Very, very important. And let me, I, I want everyone. I don't, I don't mean to sound teachery. I don't mean to sound like, okay, students, listen up, put your eyes on me, okay? But I want everyone to hear me when I say this. That person is not your enemy. Please understand, and please hear me when I say that, that that person, that person is not your enemy, right? The idea, the principle, the teaching is evil. The ideology, ideology, sorry, the ideology is evil, but that person is a soul that is in desperate need of the saving power of the gospel. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I am incredibly thankful that we are in a room right now where the Bible class teacher, the preacher, the elders can stand in front of the congregation and absolutely proclaim in bold colors what the truth of God's word says about this while at the same time understanding that the person the person is not the enemy the person needs the cross the person needs the gospel but these ideologies we're going to stand against and we're going to stand firmly against 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 and 5 for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Okay? How we deal with the person is very, very different than how we deal with the idea. Okay? We, are, we are going to draw the line, and we are going to say, I can't, I can't get there with you. I can't, I can't, I can't affirm that. Okay? And hopefully, going through this and, and, and reasoning through with the scriptures, we have a chance to reason through with this person that is in front of us. And just very, very quickly, it's easy, because I, I know the second bell is going to catch us, and I, I debated whether or not to share this, this personal story, but, but I'm going to, not, not for my sake, but for, for all of our sake. It's easy to have this straw man built up. In your mind, especially when you when you look at, at, at common at current culture, when you see what's in the news, and of course the news is gonna is gonna is gonna go to the extreme. And when you think of this, I when you think of someone that 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 identifies on the LGBTQ spectrum, it's easy for us to think of the extreme, the the militant. You know, whether it's you know we think of the militant atheist or the militant, um, you know, what, whatever it is. And it's easy to have that in your mind. And when you hear that there is a student coming into your band program that identifies as trans. And before you know this student, you're kind of braced for impact, right? 
And you build up in your mind, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's going to be this, I'm going to have to deal with this, blah, blah, blah. And you see that student for the first time and your heart just breaks. Your heart breaks for that kid because that kid is lost. Not just spiritually. That kid has no idea who she is. She needs people around her to say, you know what, I love you, but we're not doing this. Because this is what the Bible says. Right? She needs people around her that are anchored and grounded in the truth so that she can come to understand who she is, not to support her in whatever like false idea or whatever false truth she perceives is right. So when I talk about our enemy is not a person, that student, that child, that child is not my enemy, right? But the devil is the enemy. The doctrine of Satan, that's what we're up against, and it is everywhere. And the only way, the only way we can be prepared to say, nope, this is where the line is drawn, I'm not going there because this is what the Bible says, is to know, is to have reasoned, logical arguments for, well, this can't be true because this is what the Bible says, right? And we have to hold to that, and we have to be consistent with that as much as we can, okay? So we think about Jude 22 and 23, and on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. We're going to deal with people as people, Right? It's not our place. John 8, John 11, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more, Jesus said to the adulterous woman. We, it's not our place to condemn, okay? That's, but it's our place to encourage someone not to sin. Okay? We've talked about before uh, Mark's account of the rich young ruler, right? where Jesus looked at him and what? Loved him and told him the truth. That's how we deal with people. Okay? From, from, the, from the floor, from the pulpit, we're going to talk in very, very bold statements about what the truth says, right? When we talk about when we talk about when we talk to people, we're not going to compromise those bold statements. We're not going to compromise the truth, but we're going to see them as souls that are in need of Jesus, regardless of their sin. And that's how that's how I hope someone would treat me, right? If I'm if I'm living in some kind of sin, regardless of what it is, right? I'm a soul that's in need of the saving power of the gospel. Glenn. Exactly, exactly. To live righteous lives so that, we can, so that we can know and we can portray that there's a difference. There's a difference in those that hold to the word. There's a difference that, in those that are striving to be as Christ-like as possible. Okay. Thank you for the class. I appreciate it. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.